Hey guys, it's Allie. Welcome to episode four of Infertile AF. I'm so excited about this episode. I talked to Allison, who is an incredible person. She's also a doula in New York City. She is a friend of a friend that I had coffee with a couple days before we recorded this episode. And I feel like I could have talked to her for 24 hours. She is so funny and so interesting and smart and cool. And I just fell in love with her. And I know that you guys will too. There's so many good moments in this episode, but one thing that she talked about, which I was so thrilled that she was willing to open up about was having an abortion earlier in life. And then later when she was having trouble staying pregnant or getting pregnant, having infertility issues, she really felt guilty about the abortion that she had had and started thinking it was punishment for what she had done and karma. And I was so impressed with her for talking so openly about that because it's such a private thing. But I know that so many people have gone through that. So I can't thank her enough for opening up about that. And I know a lot of people out there can relate. And other than that, she was just funny and had a lot of great details. And at the end of the episode, since she's a doula, she answers some questions about being a doula, and I learned a lot. So I hope you enjoy it. And without further ado, this is Allison's infertility story. Okay, so hi, Allison. Hi. Thank you for doing this today. Thank you for um, having me. You are an amazing doula, and I want to talk a little bit more about that later. But first, what's so interesting about you is that you are also have your own infertility story, and you went through it yourself. So let's start with that. Tell me about your infertility journey and when it all first started. Well, we'll start with my first pregnancy. I got pregnant after I had divorced my first husband in a very long, complicated story. <laughs> I'll spare you like the whole, all the details. I want all the details. You want all the details. As many <laughs> details as you're willing to say. Um, the we, details are the good bits. So I got married when I was 28 years old, which seems like a reasonable age for somebody to make a really well-chosen decision <laughs> in getting married. I was in an on-and-off-again relationship, and we just thought that that would be the saving grace for the relationship is to get married, right? Mm -hmm. And we did. We were married for 11 months before we separated. Uh, a couple of months after we separated, he was in a, a pretty significant car accident. Mm -hmm. And we had planned to divorce, but I thought I was going to lose him. And it mm -hmm. changed everything. Um, we started spending time together as he was recovering from the car accident. Mm -hmm. And that's when I got pregnant. Okay. So, so did you, uh, how did you feel when you found out? I, it was a surprise. I was shocked and I think the hardest part for me was telling my family, you know, I just, they, they weren't real happy with the relationship anyways. And they were kind of glad that it was, <laughs> it was ending and I hadn't really told anybody that mm -hmm. we were still seeing each other. So there was, I had a lot of shame on a lot of levels from mm -hmm. that pregnancy. But I was pregnant, and I everything was looking great. It was my first pregnancy ever. I had no idea that, that anything bad 
could happen Mm -hmm. at that time. I went in for a regular appointment at 14 weeks, just to like took an hour off of work. I was a restaurant manager then and um, I had to tell all my employees because we had to move tables. We had a lot of stuff going on that was physical and um, and like, you weren't right. able to do any of that, I right? I wasn't able You're, to do any Sorry, of that. I can't lift that banquet for you. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, it, it, we, I went in for the regular appointment, just took an hour off of work to run in there and do my appointment, and there was no heartbeat. So I lost the baby, and mm. um, you know, then I was devastated. You, know, you feel like if I had been happier about this pregnancy, would it have, would it have stayed? Oh, you know, I yes. I think that... Um, I think we put so many uh, self-guilt on miscarriages. Yes. Like, what did I do? Yes. I want to talk about that as you talk about, you know, more of your story too. Yeah. The, not only the guilt that women feel, but the shame mm-hmm. that they feel. And hopefully we can try to eradicate some of that. It's, mm-hmm. it's so, it's such a thing that women do to themselves in general. And it's just adding insult to injury, you know, when you're going through a hard time, but it's so common. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad that you mentioned that. It's true. So I, after the miscarriage, I found out it was a partial molar pregnancy. So um, what does that mean? It it's when part of the pregnancy turns cystic. So in my case, I had a heartbeat. So the fetus was fine, but the placenta turns cystic. Okay. Which basically stops it from providing nutrients. Okay. To the baby, it is a genetic fluke. Um, I found out later, which kind of skipping around when I um, married my second husband and went to the doctor to see if I could get pregnant, mm-hmm. see if it was something to worry about. Then I found out it was just like a one in a million things. Really? It will never occur again or most likely won't occur yes. again. It's not if it happened once, it's going to happen again. It's so crazy how there's so uh, many of those things that are like one in a million, one in 400,000, <laughs> like all these things that can possibly go wrong that you never know about until you're going through it or a friend of yours is going through it that continues to baffle me and the more conversations I have with women the more I'm like what's that I've never heard of that I don't know anything about anything I realize right and I think is when we go through infertility like this we in some ways become medical experts in things that we never planned to be experts in so about six months after that pregnancy ended I was back to restaurant management. I was living the high life. I was dating one of my servers, which is like a total no no. Um, he was 20, he was really cute. And, oh, get it, girl. Um, <laughs> I got pregnant again, mm-hmm. which was uh, once again a total shock. How mm-hmm. can somebody in my late 20s accidentally get pregnant mm-hmm. twice in a row? It happens. It was, ju- I was, okay, so talk about shame. I mean, it was just at this point, I had. You know, I'd already gone through this whole thing where I had to tell my parents, and it was just so devastating. And now I was pregnant again, and I just I couldn't emotionally handle it. Mm-hmm. I couldn't deal with the shame. And I had an elective abortion when I was probably eight weeks pregnant. Okay. Did you tell the guy? Was he a part of this? Yes, or? he okay. knew. Okay. Yeah, he knew. My sister was the only other person I told, and mm-hmm. she took me, and uh, it was... It was scary and mm-hmm. it was awful and I wish I could go back and like hug myself but you know dealing with all of that shit. I just so got full shame, body chills right? which I'm sure it happens to me a lot oh, but, oh. but it was just so tough I wish I could yeah. just go back and kind of help that Allison get through this but yeah because um, you were so just being so hard on yourself yeah yeah I couldn't I couldn't 
imagine telling anybody else that I was oh, pregnant again. Honey. I know. It's just so I want to give you a hug, I know. too. Let's all go back and hug yes, 29 we all need to hug our former selves. So after that, I, I didn't really think about, hey, I can't wait to get married and have a child. You know, at that age, you know, 30, I was just like, I'm never getting married again. I'm just going to live my life and do whatever. Mm-hmm. I wasn't 100% sold that one day I'm going to have a family. It just, I was really just, whatever was happening was happening, mm-hmm. you know? And I, I well, I, I would like to say I met Ken, who is my current husband in 2006, but I actually met him a few years earlier at the restaurant that I was managing. He was one of the regulars Uh that came in all the time. We knew each other for several years before we actually started dating. Okay. He's he's so awesome. Was it one of those things where later you were like, I had a crush on you. Uh, Exactly. I'm sure he was smitten with you. (laughs) You're so, your personality is so magnetic. I mean, I just met you two a couple of days ago and I'm like, I think we're best friends. I don't know. I mean, you're just like one of my favorite people. Like you have, no, you have this smile that lights up the room and you're just so comfortable to be around. So I get it. Oh, I, well, I, he was, you know, of course he was really handsome, but he was also just really smart and funny. And I, I just I always enjoyed his presence. So anyway, we started dating on, in 2006. A mutual friend said, you know, you guys will probably like each other. So he started talking on MySpace. <laughs> MySpace. <laughs> remember <Ooh>. MySpace? <laughs> Yes, for the millennials uh-huh. listening, if there are any, this is a, I was actually never into MySpace. I kind of missed yeah. that window, but yeah. it was like a, what was it even? Like a message like a, board? Yeah, like a, you kind of had a profile. It was kind of like Facebook. Okay. It's Facebook for old people. I sound like a grandma. Yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, we started talking there. We um, had both been married before. We dated long distance. He lived two hours away from where I lived in Atlanta. We dated long distance for a year and a half, and then we got married. Okay. But we were pretty sure, like on our first date, uh-huh. that we were just what was your first gonna date? be together forever. I drove up to Atlanta to where he lived, and we hung out by the pool. Okay. Nice. It was a nice summer day. We that hung out by the dreamy. pool and just talked. Yeah. And then um, went and had dinner. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I promised myself I would not spend the night. I was like, I'm not yeah. spending the night. And I had three friends that we were talking about. I was like, I'm not spending the night. I'm coming home. And right. I spent the night. Did you do the trick where you like don't shave your legs so that you're not tempted to like. <laughs> That's a great trick. Yeah. No, I didn't do that. I okay. should maybe maybe I wouldn't have spent yeah. the night if I had uh, not shaved. <laughs> um, but anyway, so we were you know 100% sure that we were going to be together. We got married a year and a half later. Mm-hmm. He brought out this feeling of wanting to be a parent in me. Oh. It's like from the beginning. Yeah. Why do you think that is? What was it about him? I, I don't, it, it felt like the relationship was just so good. We, we practiced really hard at getting our communication right just in the dating phase, but I felt like he really saw me and he loved me, you know, for who I was, mm-hmm. and I felt the same way about him, and I, it just exploded. Okay, so we, we should have babies. Okay. Um, <laughs> so did you talk about having kids right yeah. away, and yeah. you knew you wanted to? Yeah. Um, we actually started trying a little bit before we got married. I went and saw the doctor that I had been with when I had my first miscarriage, um, just to have a checkup and mm-hmm. see if there was anything that I needed to look out for, and. Uh, we talked to the bed about the partial molar pregnancy. He said, no big deal. It shouldn't be a problem at all. So we got married in Easter. I think that year it was in March. And I was pregnant 
in like three three months. Okay. Later, so we started trying, and I got pregnant right away. Did you tell him about the server and what had happened with that? Yes. You did, okay. Yeah, that was one of the conversations that we had, like when we were newly dating, and one of those things that I just dreaded having that conversation. Yeah. Because I was like, if he can see that Allison, he's going to dump me. No. But that's, you know, I had so much shame. It's the shame, right? Yeah. Um, But he was great. Yeah. He was understanding, and... He held me, let me cry. Right. And, oh, and yeah. you could have never told him. You know, I'm sure there's people out there that have secrets with, from their spouses that never mm-hmm. come, come to light. But mm-hmm. the fact that you did, I, didn't I think, feel speaks like I, volumes about your communication and your relationship. Yeah. I felt like I couldn't let him love me fully and love him fully back if he didn't know everything about me. Okay. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I was willing to take a chance. <laughs> and it worked. Thank goodness. Yeah. Because <laughs> I would have sucked. So anyway, I got I, I got pregnant like just three months after we were trying. And we found out during that time that we were going to be moving to New York. Okay. He had changed jobs. So you were in Atlanta? We were in Atlanta. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, he had changed jobs. We were going to be moving to New York. I gave notice in my restaurant management job. I was like, now I'm pregnant and we're moving. So I'm just going to mm-hmm. <laughs> wrap this up. Even though we had a few months before we left. I also had a lot of guilt that my job was part of the reason that I had the miscarriage too. Uh, because you had been working so hard. Yeah. You felt like you'd been. Mm-hmm. Like okay. I shook There's... it loose somehow. You yes. know, I mean, it's just, you find all the things to blame it on. Sure. But, um, you know, it's just a very active Work and right, you, like you know? I couldn't, I should have pushed myself so hard. I should have rested. Like 60 or... to 80 hours a week, and you're on your feet the mm-hmm. whole time. And you know, 12 hour days, mm-hmm. it was just, it's just a lot. So, um, as soon as I found out, we like I quit the job, we're moving to New York. I had a miscarriage at eight weeks. Mm-hmm. How did you find out? I started bleeding. Okay, I wasn't, I mean, at that stage, I didn't really have. A doctor that I was seeing mm-hmm. in Atlanta about getting pregnant. I still had the OBGYN in Columbus, but I hadn't moved forward with that process in Atlanta. And okay. so I found this doctor I'd never seen before. I went in, they tested, you know, they looked, there's no pregnancy. We can see you're bleeding. Mm-hmm. They thought that they saw something in my uterus that was making it. I, I mean, now that I know more, maybe they thought it was like a bicornet uter- uterus. So they sent me to do a couple of tests. One of them was the HSG that I'm not going to try to say the long word for because right. it's just way too many letters. And I'll yeah. totally boggle it. But yeah. that's the one where they um, put the dye in your fallopian tubes and, it, and you do the right. X- x-ray. Right, right. So they went ahead and did that test, um, which is usually one of the first tests that they do when you're going through infertility treatments, just mm-hmm. to make sure that you have open tubes mm-hmm. and there's no infection. But I passed the test. Okay. <laughs> there was nothing there. I think it was just uh, maybe the lining of my uterus, you know, releasing the pregnancy just made it look in a different shape. Turns out that that was not okay. the case. I started, you know, trying to get pregnant again right away and this was actually during our move to new york i um got pregnant again a couple of months later we were up here looking for a place to st- an apartment mm-hmm. we were staying in a hotel mm-hmm. we were here for a week looking for apartments and uh, i was about 10 weeks along at this point so this is the i guess technically fourth pregnancy okay so um, you just to backtrack you hadn't used any infertility mm-hmm. anything at this point you just got pregnant naturally okay mm-hmm. so we were up here looking at apartments and I started spotting mm-hmm. and Ken was at work Ugh, that and is the worst like, feeling I, in the entire world it's awful 
And I call the doctor from the hotel and I'm like, hey, I'm spotting. And for anybody that's kind of gone through this, it, it's like the same questions that they ask you all the time. Is the, is the blood brown or is it red? Well, brown blood is old blood. So that's not so much to worry about. Okay. So, so brown if it is... gets pink or red, then we should worry. Yeah. So it was brown yeah. at first. Okay. And then so it you're like, all right, I shouldn't. Pink. And then it got red. And then I started having cramping. Oh. And we went to the old St. Vincent's Hospital. Okay. It's on 7th Ave. Sure. Um, and went into the ER there. That's what my doctor told us to do. And they could still see a heartbeat but I was bleeding. Oh. And by the time we got back to Atlanta, I had lost the pregnancy. Oh, but there's just so not much they can do at right. that early right. to yes. keep it in. Yeah. Um, I remember that feeling in early pregnancies with me going to the bathroom and like to pee and wiping and being like, please no blood, please no blood, please no blood. And then there would be, and you'd be like, fuck. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just your heart just sinks. Or the so worst is the toilet paper gets a little wet and you can see the pinkness of your finger right. through the toilet paper. Yeah. And, and you're like, like, wait, is that, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> is that pink? And I also remember, sorry to bring it back to me, but just on the same note, I remember calling my doctor's office and said, you know, I'm pregnant, I'm probably eight weeks along and I'm bleeding. And the woman was like, you're probably having a miscarriage. And the way she said it, I was just like, that's it? Like, a little bedside manner here? You know, it's just so... I mean, she probably dealt with dozens of those a day, if not more. And mm-hmm. I was just like, oh, okay, uh, okay. Mm-hmm. In that particular pregnancy, too, I they wouldn't let me come into the OB to get checked until I was 12 weeks. And that's another thing that happens a lot. They don't want to see you until you're 12 weeks right. along. But for somebody this experienced recurrent loss... Those 12 weeks, you're just stressing yourself right? so hard, right. you know? Mm-hmm. They just let you come in and see a heartbeat or no heartbeat. I don't know. I yeah. don't know what exactly I want, right. but more, yes. more than yes. just a 12-week visit. Right. So then we, we decided, well, our, our OB recommended that we see a reproductive endocrinologist. And since we were moving to New York, we decided to wait until we got up here um, to start that relationship because we knew it would be a long one so we wanted to make sure that we were someplace that we were going to be for a while so um we moved a few months later and um looked at our insurance coverage and picked a provider in the city that was covered by our insurance and went to the re and they did all of the tests that they usually do um they didn't find anything of concern for me, I had a, this single MTHFR mutation, which is very common. I think it's like 50% of the population has okay. it, but it can cause some clotting disorders. Uh-huh. They found that, and Ken had no problems at all. His sperm count was good. He was very excited about <laughs> the sperm count. <laughs> he was like, he was... <laughs> oh, I love that guy. Uh-huh. He had so much fun every time he had to give a sample. It's like he's a, <laughs> oh, he's a trooper. Um, but anyway, he uh, so we were we were we we passed everything. We had to do a few IUIs before we could move on to IVF. Right. So t- let's talk about that a little bit. Mm-hmm. There's it's an insurance thing, right? If your insurance is kicking in for this, then you have to do is it three IUIs yeah. before you can move on to IVF, which. So it's, it's kind of bullshit, it right? It totally is bullshit, yeah. right? Um, like, can you just do three all at once? Or like, can I come three days in a row just to get it over with? Just to because get it over with. I don't know. IUIs, 
I know they do work in some cases, mm-hmm. but I think the percentage is pretty low, the mm-hmm. success rate. I'm mm-hmm. just guessing mm-hmm. and from what it, people I've talked to. Is that right? N- now that you're a doula and you know? Yes. Okay. Um, but you're right. They do it work It does sometimes. work in certain it cases. Does and I do have personal friends that mm-hmm. it has worked for, thankfully. Mm-hmm. But it's not very common that no. it does. And at that time, I didn't know anything about this stuff. You know, so I was just sure as soon as they, you know, shot the sperm through my cervix, right. I was going to be pregnant. Well, I'm like, so oh, this is magic. We the way that somebody fun. explained an IUI to me was like, they wash the sperm and they keep the best ones and then they put it right in the right time. And it was like, oh, duh, it's going to work. <laughs> it sounds so easy. Mm-hmm. They're delivering it right to the right. place. Exactly. It's to be. It, I mean, in theory, it seems foolproof. Right. It's brilliant. Well, it did not work for me. Okay. We found out after... Um, well, so after our third IUI, we knew that our company or the company my husband works for was changing insurance groups like company wide. So we were going to be taking on a new insurance policy, which it turned out to be great for us because in that way we could have renewed fertility benefits. Okay. So it was a good thing, but we weren't able to stay with the same reproductive endocrinologist, gotcha. which was scary okay. because we knew her and we liked her. Right. And didn't really want to change. We had a vacation planned at that time. Um, it was right after our third IUI failed, and we went to Europe and kind of bounced around a little bit. Mm-hmm. We went to Paris and Zurich and mm-hmm. Amsterdam, and as soon as we got back from that, I found out I was pregnant again. Okay, so, so naturally. So I had like a kid naturally again okay. after all those IUIs. Right, right. Anymore. Vacation baby, vacation which, baby, right? As all of us um, infertility, our infertility family knows. Everybody right. says, "If you just relax, take I a know vacation, everybody's like, get... yeah." So what the happened? The minute you stop trying, you're gonna get knocked up. The, if I had a dollar for oh every time I heard that, right? So I had a vacation baby. I was pregnant. We came back and went straight. Once we found out that that I was pregnant, we went straight back to the original reproductive endocrinologist because she had mentioned that maybe when we moved to the next reproductive endocrinologist that we should start IVF with PGS, which was genetic testing of the embryos, mm-hmm. and maybe try a blood thinner. Um, she had mentioned that. It was like our final meeting. So as soon as we got back, I found out I was pregnant. I called her up. I was like, I need the blood thinners. I need them now. I'm mm-hmm. pregnant, and I want to get them right away. She was kind of like, well, you know, wait a minute. We should mm-hmm. really do this before you get pregnant. I'm not sure they're going to work at this stage. And I was like, I don't care. Give me the give me the shots. I <laughs> yeah. want them now. And yeah. she did. She wrote a prescription. Um, and I did, I don't know, like a week okay. maybe of of low knock shots, which is and that was supposed thinner. to prevent the clod, the spotting. They or? were hoping it would prevent a miscarriage. Okay, but it didn't. Mm. So again, eight weeks, I had another miscarriage. Okay. So we were, um, we already had our appointment with the new reproductive endocrinologist, and we went over there, and she looked at all of our paperwork, and she was like, "There's no reason this should not work for you. This mm-hmm. genetic testing of the embryos has got to be." the right thing that must be what what we needed to do all along right let's do it so we did our first IVF April of 2011 okay so April of 2011 we did our first IVF with genetic testing of the embryos with PGS Mm -hmm. we got a great number of eggs Mm -hmm. we had a great number of fertilized embryos after genetic testing only three were normal Mm -hmm. Um, they recommended transferring two 
and freezing one. Mm-hmm. So we transferred two, and um, we had no pregnancy, not even a blip. Okay. We went on to a second IVF with PGS. It's like how long were you waiting between the cycles? So the first one was in April. We did the second one in July. So there's a few months in between there. Okay. Um, I don't remember there okay. being a Can reason. I ask you too, how are mm-hmm. you doing emotionally with all of this? Um, so, and how are you and your <laughs> husband getting along? Did it have any... Not you know? great. Yeah. I was very sensitive to the hormone medication mm-hmm. that we use for IVF. Uh, my mood was angry instead of sad. I, I feel more comfortable with anger. Mm-hmm. So I spent a lot of time in anger which is not good for any relationship, mm-hmm. but I was were mad. You mad were you, who were you mad at or what? Just the situation? I was were mad, you mad at, at yourself? Life. Mad at I was mad at life. I was mad at me. I was mad. I mean, he hadn't done anything wrong. I was, I was mad at him for random things. Like right. leaving his towel on the floor. But oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it, a lot of that, the emotions that I feel thinking back there is like, why me? What What did I do? Yes. Why am I, why am I is, having to go through all of that. I keep and hearing this. It's so common. I felt the same way. It's, yeah. And also, you know, from the shame of the abortion that I had had, I really thought that, that maybe this was my punishment. I'm not a religious person. Mm-hmm. So I don't know why, <laughs> you know, that I thought. No, you know, I, I'm, I'm glad that you brought like, that up. Yeah, it was, it was, it was karma for me. You know, this was happening to me because this is what I deserved. Mm. And that that's so intense. That's where I was. Mm-hmm. I was so mad mm-hmm. about it. Yeah. Were you hoping that you, wishing that you hadn't done that or if you could change the past, like that whole mindset? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of times we think about, you know, changing the past. If we could go back and do it again with our with our current, you know, maturity level, <laughs> that we would right. have made different choices. Yeah. But. Yeah. I mean, you can't do that. That would, I mean, sometimes I guess right. it would be cool, but if I had, then I wouldn't have met Ken. Yeah. You know? I mean, it's just like, totally. you know, it's, it's. So how did you deal with it? Did you start seeing a therapist or did you, how did you cope? I was seeing a therapist who was not the right fit, but I had found her before I started the IVF. I continued with her just kind of, I mean, if anybody out there has ever tried to find a therapist before, it's not easy. Mm-hmm. I mean, you first you're trying it's to like find dating. somebody. It is. You're it trying takes to, a few times. Yeah. yeah. You're like trying to find somebody that takes your insurance, and then you're calling and leaving voicemails for them because they can't answer their phone, you know, because they're – so you're doing all of this back and forth. You've got to really, really want it to mm-hmm. follow up. And I felt like I was in such a vulnerable position at that point that I just didn't want to change. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. Um, but yeah, I saw her. I did acupuncture uh-huh. too. Um, Wait, I have a quick therapy story. Oh, I was yes. seeing a therapist at one point. I don't want to blow up this person's spot, so I won't <laughs> give too many details about when. But at one point, I was telling the story. It wasn't about infertility. It was about something else. The therapist rolled his or her eyes, and I was like, "Did you just roll your eyes while I was talking?" And they were like. Sorry. And I was like, oh my God, isn't that like against everything you're the supposed to be doing? The whole job is not rolling your eyes. It was so awkward and I felt like such a jerk and I was so embarrassed. And then oh I actually continued seeing that person, the same person, but it was mm-hmm. like one of those moments where I was like, oh my God, am I boring you? I'm mm-hmm. sorry. Mm-hmm. You have some place to be. 
the worst. Let me rip up this $250 check <laughs> then, Biat. Right? Here's my money anyway. But yeah, so I, I was trying to do some self-care things. You know, I think that when a lot of times we try to do things to take care of ourselves and it's a lot harder than we mm-hmm. imagine it to be. And I was in appointment overload too with just the reproductive endocrinologist mm-hmm. that adding in like a therapy appointment and an acupuncture yes. appointment. It's just like, I don't want to go anywhere else today. Right. I mean, how many appointments am I supposed to have? Yes. I had and no if you're life. getting stressed, I remember my acupuncturist said this to me too, that if you're stressed about coming to get acupuncture done and squeeze it into your schedule, then it's having the opposite effect. (laughs) It's not going to work for you. Right. (laughs) Yeah. But that's a, that's a good thing that you brought up. It's tricky balancing all these appointments and the Mm -hmm. doctor's appointments and the blood work and the this and the that and Mm -hmm. trying to manage your stress level and working and, you know, Mm -hmm. people might have other kids at home and being a good partner to, you know, it's just, there's so mm-hmm. much you have to balance, and mm-hmm. something is bound to go by the wayside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But now, Ken and I were struggling. You asked about mm-hmm. how our marriage was, too. I don't know. Ken and I were struggling. He was trying to be very patient with me, but I was mad mm-hmm. at, at the whole world. Yeah. And, you know, the fertility treatments were, he was watching me go through them, and he, there wasn't really much that he could do to to help Mm -hmm. really you know and um it's got to be really hard for a partner to watch the person they love go through this process and feel so helpless yes and when we got to for our our, we were approaching our third IVF and the our reproductive endocrinologist suggested that we try something different she recommended that we see a reproductive immunologist to look for any underlying autoimmune issues that could be interfering with the pregnancy. Okay. So we went to see this famous <laughs> reproductive endocrine or immunologist here. Who's in New somewhat York. controversial, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, not all tell, reproductive. Tell me about that. In, not not all reproductive endocrinologists believe that miscarriages are necessarily autoimmune related. Okay. Some do, obviously. Mine sent me mm-hmm. <laughs> to this doctor. She's mm-hmm. very well-respected in her field. But he he did a, an autoimmune workup on me, which was a lot of blood tests. And then also he sent me for uh, ultrasound to look for any signs of PCOS, mm-hmm. polycystic ovarian syndrome. Mm-hmm. My tests came back that I had high natural killer cells, Sounds like a Quentin Tarantino right? movie. Right. He was like, Hi, natural killer cells. <laughs> I know. I was kind of Starring Julia Lewis and Brad Pitt. <laughs> he said to me, he was like, do you get sick very often? And I was like, no. He was like, it's your natural killer cells. Really? Like, hello. Okay. I didn't know I had a superpower, but turns out wow. that's not compatible with pregnancies in my body. Interesting. Okay. Um, I also, he. Uh, so your body was rejecting the pregnancy? Is that what he was? That's the assumption. Deter- okay. Mm -hmm. Or I guess the next thing to rule out. Okay. But he also found that I had DQ alpha Mm -hmm. 4.1 as some kind of clotting issue that Mm -hmm. I think my husband and I had a match on. Okay. So he wanted to treat for that too. And he found a low level PCOS 
which I didn't have any symptoms of. Mm -hmm. I ovulate normally and haven't had any of the other symptoms, but uh, he wanted to treat that too. So prior to our third IVF, we started this new medical protocol in addition to all of the IVF drugs. Right. Because you're not putting your body through enough yet. (laughs) So bring it on. So we're adding in, I was taking baby aspirin, metformin, which is a drug that people take uh, with diabetes to help control insulin levels in their bodies, which is um, part of how PCOS affects your body. Mm-hmm. So that was for that. Prednisone, which is a steroid. Mm-hmm. Lovenox shots, mm-hmm. which is what the original RE had recommended. Um, but this time we would start them before the transfer. Um, and those would be daily throughout the pregnancy. And he also recommended IVIG infusions, which is a bloodborne product infusion that is supposed to help with the immune system, I guess, help push back the immune system. Okay. So is that like a blood transfusion kind of thing? Like you're getting an IV or? Mm-hmm. Okay. That's exactly what it's like. You, uh, I laid on a, a medical table for three to four hours and had an infusion once a month. Wow. Yeah. That's the first I've heard of that. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it was tough. But yeah. I, at that point, I would have done anything. Sure. Oh, yeah. Right? <laughs> you want my left like, what do you want? Here, here, I'll do it. I'll yep. try it. No problem. But anyway, so it was, it was going to be our third IVF. Our insurance benefits were gone. We okay. had used them all. The uh, reproductive immunologist did not take insurance at all, so that would be entirely out of pocket. My husband and I decided that it was going to be our last try mm-hmm. at IVF. At the moment, he was he was ready to move on. Mm-hmm. He was he was just like you know we. We need to live our life. We Mm -hmm. need to do things for ourselves. We need to be ourselves again. Right. And I I agreed. I think in my mind I was like, let's just get through this IVF. Right. And I'm going to agree now, but we'll see what happens afterwards. Sure, honey. (laughs) Whatever you need to hear at this point. We'll figure this out. Yeah. But after doing the protocol from the reproductive immunologist, we did the IVF our third IVF, um, we um, had a great number of embryos, only two were normal again. Um, we transferred two, and I was pregnant with twins. Okay. And so it was just, it's like, okay, all right, this worked. Maybe that was the, the magic ticket right. this whole time was yes. this immunologist business. So, um, the good thing about seeing the reproductive, another good thing about seeing the reproductive immunologist was that now I had two doctors. So I was seeing the RE and the RI. So I got an ultrasound in both places. Okay. And, you know, at this point, the level of anxiety that I had being pregnant in my first trimester yes. was so high. So any chance I could get to just see a little blip. Right. On an ultrasound machine, I was I was right. I'll take it. I we don't were, care if it's the wand or what. Just right. give it to me. I we were see. joking the other day when I met you about how I think it was Katie Holmes reportedly had like a <laughs> ultrasound system at home when she was pregnant with Surrey, and we're, I was like, I want that. How come everybody can't just buy one? Oh and, my gosh! Because you just want to hear that heartbeat. You just want to see that everything. I would have just okay. laid there all day. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and it takes so long before so you, you can had feel you had move. you had one at home. I had one of those like Dopplers. Okay. That you could buy at Walgreens. Oh my! Is it for bit like baby <laughs> yes. ultrasounds? Okay. Yeah. Yes, it is, and it's not that 
easy to use. Yeah. And I mean, so think about that. That's like the worst thing ever. So you've got this thing, you bought it at Walgreens, it was like $19, and you're trying to find your own baby's heartbeat with it, which is not easy to find. So I do not recommend going that route. I was really stressed out. Every time I pulled it out, it was like, I can't find it, I can't find it. How often were you doing it? Oh my, like nightly. Okay. Sometimes more. Right. I, t- I think I, I told it. Ken that we'll do. I'll just do it when you get home at night. And, you right. know, but I'm like watching. TV. You're like secretly doing it <laughs> right. in the corner, like all day long. Yeah, um. <laughs> I get it though. It's it makes perfect yes. sense. It sounds wild, but oh, it's, gosh, it happens. And you have to wait so long before you can feel them move mm-hmm. inside you, and you get that sense of relief once you can feel the baby. But right, that doesn't happen for right. weeks. So we were pregnant with twins. We knew we had transferred. We only had two normal, and we knew that one was a boy and one was a girl. So I was going into for weekly ultrasounds. We got to like 12 weeks, and I started spotting again. And it was just the same as we were just talking about. Mm-hmm. It's like it was brown. Then it was a little bit pink. It's like I'm an expert at judging color right. mm-hmm. of blood mm-hmm. at this point. And I'm like, mm-hmm. this is no, it's, it's that's not brown anymore. It's a little more reddish. Mm-hmm. So I started, I had some cramping, I had some bleeding. We went into the doctor and had an ultrasound, and um, one of the twins no longer had a heartbeat. Mm. I'm sorry. Yeah. You know, for us, you know, at that point we felt like twins was a reward. Mm-hmm. You know? It's like We've been trying so hard, and we mm-hmm. finally got, we're going to have two babies at one. You know, that was just like, oh. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other baby was still doing great. Okay. But it was, you know, several weeks we had to wait to figure out who we lost and who was still there. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, that was just, it was That's so really tough. hard. Yeah. Because you want to connect, you know, with them, and I, it was just... It was so hard, but so I, I, I was pregnant now, and I had had my baby. We we made we marked all of the milestones, mm-hmm. you know. So it was sixteen weeks. We got the anatomy scan at twenty. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't really feel like it was really going to happen until I got to around twenty four weeks, and that's what we call. And that's it. a long time. A long time. <laughs> that is six that's months. Six months. <laughs> You know, that's to, have, to be on the edge of anxiety or have laying, a low-level stress for that long. I laid on my sofa and ate Ben and Jerry's. With your Doppler. With my <laughs> Doppler. <Walgreens> wand. <laughs> I need a visual of this. Right. Uh, and watched television. Yeah. I was just so scared I was going to shake right. something loose. And I didn't want to, to feel like I could blame any of it on myself anymore. You know, mm-hmm. I'm just like, I'm going to do as little as, as possible. Yeah. So 24 weeks was our big celebration. Yeah. I mean, that was like, I celebrated that like some people celebrate like peeing on a stick. Yeah. Is that because at that point, if they're born, they can likely have a chance of living outside Mm -hmm. of, okay. So that's a big milestone. That's a big milestone. And um, I just got the chills again. (laughs) The goosies, as Jennifer Lopez says. Oh, that's so sweet. Um, I've got this picture of me. Um, we were taking pictures of my belly, like with the number of weeks written on the chalkboard behind yeah. me. And I've got this picture of me at 24 weeks, 
with the belly and the 24 and I'm like doing something like with my, like a wink with the like some guns <laughs> the gun hands yeah. yeah I was doing something like yeah you know and I remember feeling like I we did it yeah because you know for me I just didn't trust my my body to right. hold a baby that yeah. long and I felt you know, as soon as we, we hit 24 weeks, and then I'm, like, rushing it. You know, I'm like, okay, I'm ready. Yeah. Okay, when, yeah. Can, when, when can she come? I'm ready for her to come now. Um, but after 24 weeks was when I actually started thinking about giving birth, which I had not thought about previously because I felt like I was going to jinx it. Mm-hmm. Isn't that funny how we make all of these little things that are going to jinx it? So we yeah. don't talk about it. You know, we hide it. I yes. used to think that... Um, what is that book called? The, the the baby book that everybody gets that has the Good night moon? No, no, the, the pregnancy book. Oh, what, what to, to expect. expect. Oh my yeah. gosh. So I got the what to expect book, my first pregnancy, and promptly gave it away after the pregnancy got you know, was done. And then I got it again for the second time. So I was sure it was the book. That was my other curse. Oh. The book is cursed. Yes. Every time don't I get one of the these, book in my house. Right. Yes, I don't want the book in my house. So I let myself start researching birth and what I wanted to do and what I felt was important to me mm-hmm. my birth and, and you had found out it was a girl yes okay yes we found out it was a girl at the 20-week ultrasound okay because um, we couldn't even do the um what the blood test thing because we still had the other baby that's in there so it was inconclusive oh right okay it, so we had to wait a little bit longer yeah. but anyway so we, I started doing research on birth and how I wanted to give birth and oh, quickly found out that my doctor and I were not on the same page of what I wanted to do. I felt like at that time that it was really important for me to 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 try and and trust my body to do as much as it could on its own. Mm-hmm. I was also, I had a big fear of just hospitals in general, which is really funny that I'm a birth doula now. It turns out if it's not me as the patient, then I'm not at okay. all affected Interesting. <laughs> for me. Right. I was scared of the hospital. Um, so, and so thinking about having an epidural during birth was terrifying to me because then I couldn't leave. If I needed to go, <laughs> not like you're gonna leave in the middle of having. I mean, like, Wait, what? right? It's not like I'm gonna just get up and run down the hall. But for me, it felt like I would be frozen, and oh, I couldn't. In case you wanted to get up and walk around or something, to or leave. Like... In case I wanted to leave. <laughs> Where are you going? Specific, nowhere. Okay. <laughs> but it's specifically in case I wanted to leave. Okay. I needed to feel like I could. Okay. And that was just like it was like a terrifying wow. kind of thing to me. I just didn't want to be stuck okay to this day i've never seen anybody leave in the middle of labor <laughs> but if I'm you feel you like you want to be able to do it yeah then then that's your business right you can right. do whatever you want but that for me it was it was scary so we ended up having a lot of hard conversations just um, my husband and i in the ob he was very supportive with whatever i wanted to do she was not really she was she thought it was kind of funny the doctor. Yes. Okay. Um, specifically that I didn't want an epidural. Um, she was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's, she had a great sense of humor. I love her. I would love to have coffee with her. Yeah. We were not on the same page with birth. Gotcha. But um, so she you know, kind of joked about it, which you know, hurt my feelings. Yeah. Because I was, I was dealing with a lot of stuff. Did she know stuff. everything that you had been through? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I was dealing with a lot of stuff. And, you know, we were all just trying to... to deal with our own things and make our way, right? So it was mm-hmm. just really tough to be dismissed like that. 
But Zoe, or I guess, went into my regular appointment at 38 weeks, and uh, she stripped my membranes. And um, that means what does that that mean? No. Um, So it's they uh, doctor can do it or or midwife can do it during a cervical exam. It's um, if your cervix is a little bit dilated, Uh and they can fit the tip of their finger inside, then they can release the amniotic sac from the top of the cervix, which releases some hormones that sometimes can get labor started. Oh, cool. Yes, but she knew I wanted the baby to come. Thirty-eight weeks is. Not 40 weeks. Mm-hmm. It's still, you know, it's still, I mean, it still counts as full term. But right. um, she knew I was ready, and she she did it. Okay. And I went into labor that afternoon. We had tickets to a Broadway show. Um, it was when Al Pacino was in Glen Gary, Glen Ross. Oh, I saw that. It was very boring. <laughs> so I was in anything. labor the I whole I was going to say, if it was Hamilton, you might want to, like, hold off. But I saw that. It was. I remember yeah. nothing. We were way in the back. I was like standing. Oh, you up. went? Yes, we went. Oh, I mean, we had tickets. Okay. <laughs> I was standing. We were like on the second to the back row, and I was like kind of standing up, like yeah. swaying. Was in it my with Liev Schreiber? Wasn't he in it too? Yes. Yeah. You, okay. I get that's so funny. You yeah, saw that I did show. see that show. Um, but yeah, so I was in labor at the show. We got home that night, and um, what if we were at the same show? It might have been. <gasps> we should look in our calendars later. Okay. <laughs> you know, I went to a, another show recently. We went to see Come From Away. Okay. And it's I've... in the same theater. Okay. I and I didn't that. realize it until we walked in, and we our seats were in the same section. And I was like, "This is the theater we were in oh when I was God. in labor with Zoe." And Ken was like, "How can you remember that? That was like this. That's impossible." And I looked through my email and yeah. pulled up the tickets. And sure enough, Ooh, we were like ten rows in front. The universe, we had like moved, you know, moved forward. I guess yeah. we can sit ten rows closer <laughs> than yeah. at this point that we could right. then. But I went and I took a picture of the seats that that we were in. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I looked and found them. Um, anyway, that was a little tangent. So I was in labor at the show. I, we came home. I was felt really nasty. I hadn't made the email to the friends mm-hmm. that Ken was supposed to attach the picture to with right. the facts, you know, the weights and the length and the whatever else right. we wanted to know. Um, I hadn't finished putting all the people in there so he could send it for me. Um, so I was, like, freaking out. And you're like, oh, my gosh. And he went to bed, and I stayed up. And I stayed up, and um, contractions got more and more intense. And... I got in the bathtub for a little bit and just kind of walked around my house. And he he could hear me, like, I guess around 5 in the morning. Mm-hmm. He was like, okay, I'm getting up. And at about 6, I had been timing the contractions, mm-hmm. and they were two minutes apart, and my water broke, like, right at 6. So wow. We got in a cab. Where did it break? I was, it, like I was laying on the bed. And my feet hit the floor so fast. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> it, was like, it was like my body's like, I'm not changing the sheets. So I like jumped out, oh. hit the ground. <laughs> you got no water on anything okay. but the, the hardwood floor. See, I had two C-sections, so I never had the water breaking experience. I'm kind of envious of people who did because it sounds so cool. <laughs> it's not so exciting, There's always right? a good story of attached. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think because I had been in labor for a while that it broke with a lot of intensity. Mm-hmm. doesn't always do that sometimes. Mm-hmm. It's just a trickle, and you miss that like TV moment mm-hmm. of like the right. We went to the hospital. We left for the hospital about six a.m. in a taxi, and uh, Zoe was born around noon. Oh, Zoe! Mm-hmm. Yay! Zoe made her grand entrance. Yes. So, how old is Zoe now? Zoe's six. Okay. Yep, she turned six in October. Okay. 
Hooray! I know. She is so cool. Yeah. She's like a little fairy person. She has the biggest imagination. She Aww. loves to sing and dance. She's just all yeah. happiness. What if she's in a show in that very theater in like <laughs> 20 years? <laughs> that, that would be, be cool, amazing. Right? <laughs> yes. I don't want to gloss over Zoe because no. she is incredible, mm-hmm. but there's more to your story. Can you tell me what happened after that? Yes. So I had Zoe when I was, if you're keeping up with ages at this point, I was 39 when I had when Zoe was born. Okay. My doctor had told us if we wanted to have another baby that we should get started right away because we just didn't know how long mm-hmm. it was going to take you know at that point it had taken us five years mm-hmm. from when we first started trying and that's not even including how long ago I had the first mi- miscarriage just five years right with Ken and I trying yeah um, so we knew we had the one frozen embryo from my first IVF cycle in the freezer so she was like let's just transfer that one and see what happens and then we'll move forward with more IVFs so I weaned Zoe, which is like the hardest thing ever. I was really looking forward to breastfeeding. Mm-hmm. Um, we had had a really hard breastfeeding journey already, mm-hmm. but they wanted um, me to be completely done breastfeeding Okay. by the time she was six months old so we could transfer the embryo. Gotcha. That was a suggestion. Yes. So I weaned her when she was four months. Mm-hmm. Um, did you see the, speaking of breastfeeding, did you watch the Serena Williams documentary on HBO? If anyone listening hasn't watched it, it is so good. Mm-hmm. I have so much respect for her and her husband is amazing, mm-hmm. but there's a whole storyline about her having to wean her daughter from breastfeeding because she's not losing enough weight to pl- get back into tennis mm-hmm. and it's so gut-wrenching mm-hmm. and she doesn't want to do it and her coach wants her to stop and mm-hmm. oh my gosh that was so interesting so and she finally just had to stop breastfeeding against mm-hmm. her will and mm-hmm. to get back into tennis and mm-hmm. that was so I'm so glad that she was so open about that because I hadn't you know you have no idea what people are going through and that was mm-hmm. I thought that was very cool yeah so I watch it, it people if you haven't yet it's, it's so, so good great. it's called being Serena mm-hmm. I think. well yeah so I weaned Zoe and transferred the embryo well I, I guess I should say weaned Zoe at four months we went back to the reproductive immunologist to do um, autoimmune testing again okay my testing was a lot better than mm-hmm. it had been before. The doctor said that sometimes a pregnancy can restart your immune system. I have no idea how that works. Yeah, that's <laughs> cool. But that's what he said. So he still put me on some of the medications from before. We did the baby aspirin again, the metformin, and the Lovenox, which were the daily blood thinner shots. And instead of the IVIG infusions, we did something else called intralipids. Okay. Which is the same kind of thing, mm-hmm. but it's IVIG light. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> the scientists out there are going to be like, okay, lady, that's not exactly how it works. Just, this is not a medical <laughs> show. <laughs> that's how I saw it. Yeah. This IVIG is just girlfriends light. talking. <laughs> we don't know what we're talking about. Um, so I only had to do an infusion before the transfer and then went after the transfer, and then that was it. Okay. So I didn't have to go back once a month. Um, but so we transferred, uh, that embryo in there and lo and behold, it stuck. Yes. Which Woo-hoo! was a shock. 
I still can't believe it. Yes. After all of these things. All right. Chills Uh, again. Right. Oh, gosh. I need like a chills counter on this conversation. (laughs) A chillometer. Yeah, a (laughs) chillometer. Full chills. But that was Kenny. We called him Ice Ice Baby. Yes. For for many, many years as he sat in the freezer. He's five now. Okay. Yay. And he is full of spunk. He's got a lot of my um, wildness (laughs) and hard-headedness. Okay. (laughs) Which is making it challenging to be his mom. But yeah. my mother keeps saying, yeah, this is yeah. what you get. So I, I get it. Yeah. Um, but he has the sweetest smile. And when yeah. he loves, he loves so hard. Oh. So it's just, he's just a joy to be his mom. Yeah. So uh, I was pregnant with, I got pregnant with Kenny when Zoe was six months old. Wow. Yeah. So the next couple of years are just a blur. I have no idea what happened after that. <laughs> I really have no idea. In my mind, we You're stayed like, inside for like a full year. Like it didn't even leave. But I know that didn't happen. <laughs> That's the way it feels. You're like, I woke up under a pile of diapers and Trump was president. Yes. What happened? Um, <laughs> oh, that's so good. I'm so happy for you. Thank you. Thank you so much for getting into all those details and sharing all that stuff. I want to take a pause and then we're going to come back and answer some questions that we've gotten about being a doula. Awesome. I'm going to talk about that too. So we're going to pause it right now. Okay. So we're back with some doula related questions for Allison. First, I want to know, how did you get into being a doula? Yeah. Um, So, um, well, you know, I told you after when I was pregnant with Zoe, like around 24 weeks, I started just inhaling birth stuff. Mm -hmm. I didn't know anything really about birth. I had been to two births at that point, both of my sister or two of my sister's kids, I had been there and been her doula, (laughs) which was like unofficial, not certified. That's exactly right. Yep. And it was such an amazing experience. I just loved, I, it's kind of like the infertility thing. We become experts at what we are going through. Right. So to me, it was just like I couldn't get enough of it. And I was absorbing all of the stuff. And I wanted to help other people kind of walk through this, walk through this with them and okay. be their support. Mm-hmm. So when Kenny was two, I went to doula training. Okay. I trained uh, here in New York in Brooklyn with an international doula company. It's called Doula Trainings International. Um, they do a three-day workshop. So you're there for eight hours for three days. Okay. And then you have a nine-month certification period where you work with a mentor and you have to do reading. I think we had like eight books that were on a required reading list. Mm -hmm. We had to um, participate in lactation training, childbirth education. We also had to have three birth clients that um, reviewed us so we could turn it in with our certification packet and my certification is birth and postpartum doula okay so i had to have clients postpartum doula clients too okay review me and then send that in with my packet Mm -hmm. so overall it was like three days intensive and then a nine month program Um, during that time too we also had to attend several other classes that were provided by the doula training company that were online one of the questions we got from on instagram from baby snowflake sus is at what point does a doula get involved in a pregnancy? Mm. 
Well, because of my experience with infertility, I also work with people that are going through fertility treatments. So not all doulas work in that area too, but for me, I, I can work with somebody while they're doing fertility treatments all the way through to when they're having that's so great a baby yeah so just establishing that trust from from the beginning right and kind of walking and having through gone through together. it yourself I bet that makes them feel so much more comfortable and that's yeah. so cool that you do that and I have such a passion for helping people over that transition from I've been doing fertility treatments now I'm pregnant what the fuck right. <laughs> you know, what do I do now right so I love helping people you know over that threshold I guess I could say um, yeah but, you know, a lot of a lot of doulas that don't do the fertility work may start working with somebody um, anywhere from the first trimester to, you know, right before they get, give birth. Okay. Um, it really just depends. I'd say most times we get hired in the second trimester. Okay. So once they're, the pregnancy is, you know, past the first trimester, and then they're looking for more support. And you don't have to answer specifically, but Nin Tiz, too who's actually my mom, <laughs> hey, mom. <laughs> sent a question. Hi, Mom. I love you. She sent a question, and she just said, ballpark, like, how much money? Is it really expensive? Like, mm-hmm. can anybody have a doula? Is there, like, a sliding scale? I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know anything about it, so you don't have to say what so your fee is. all of the is, above. But... above. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, here in New York City, I would say the range, uh, maybe for a doula in training, maybe 800 and it goes all the way up for to 3,000 and beyond. Mm-hmm. Okay, depending on specifically what you're doing and right. I would imagine everybody's. Experience. So it seems like if somebody wants to go that route, there's a way for them to make it happen. Mm-hmm. That's good. And some communities are even hospital doulas. Another question from Fab Fertility on Instagram is, mm-hmm. what's the most common misconception about doulas? Uh, that we're there to take this place of the partner. Okay, oh, that's good. Okay, because mm-hmm. somebody else had asked, does the partner feel left out? Yeah. So. Yeah. How do you, can you explain that relationship? How does it all work together with the partner and the mom? Well, you know, the way that I approach this is that I think the connection between the partners, the birthing partners, <laughs> that's the strongest connection. That's who they want to be with. When the shit hits the fan, you want your partner there with you. Mm-hmm. So I do whatever I can to help the partner be able to be there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I take care of, mom or whoever the birthing person is but I also take care of the partner okay make sure they've had something to eat make sure that they know when when it's okay to rest Mm -hmm. talking through what's going on Mm -hmm. and setting you know expectations or managing anxieties and that way they're both able to be there just focusing on the baby Mm -hmm. that's coming without having to worry about all the Mm -hmm. peripheral nonsense that's going on okay so uh, but I will never have that connection with the birthing person that their partner will have Okay. That's the special, that's the magic. Right. Right? So just making sure that they can be there together. Somebody else asked, what's something easy that TTC, like trying to conceive women, can integrate into their everyday routine to achieve Zen? Do you have any? Wow. We've been looking for Zen for a long time. I know, right? (laughs) Um, I guess the best advice I can give there is self-care. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's the hardest thing for all of us to do is to carve out time to, Mm -hmm. to take care of ourselves just being busy, but you know, self-care looks different for everybody. Right. You know, just finding what it is that you can do that makes you feel like you're taking care of yourself. Right. That's the best thing. Yeah. It's like yeah. putting on your oxygen mask That's before. Right. I love that analogy. Yeah. You put yours on. Yeah. You have to be good to, to bring a, another life. That's right. 
All right. Well, thank you so much. You almost make me want to. I want you as my doula. Can you just be my doula but not have a baby? Can you like help me? Yes. Like, <laughs> well, that's what I never do having for fertility clients. You right. know, we're just in the in no, the beginning. You, yeah, you're so amazing, and oh, I'm gonna thanks. tell everybody where they can find you and learn more about you and what you do Yay. at the end. But thank you so much for doing this. Oh, thank this has you been for so great. Me. It was so fun. Good. Thank you. Hi again, guys. Thank you for listening. Isn't she the best? Oh, I love her. I want her to be on every episode. Anyway, I am so grateful for everybody passing these episodes around, sending me emails with feedback, and for tuning in. This is important stuff, I think, and it needs to be talked about. So if you are listening and you have a story that you want to share, email me at infertileafstories at gmail.com or check out my Instagram at infertileafstories. And we have a lot more great content coming up. So many good episodes, so many good interviews. So thanks for sticking with me and I will talk to you next time.